Happy Wednesday. Today we've got Ander Gayel talking about the corniness of the rapper Common, Paris Martineau on a skin robot, and a special message from our brand new intern at the power section. I'm your host, James T. Green, and this is The Dispatch. Culture. Hey. So, Ander Gallo, fresh off of vacation, why are you writing about the rapper Common? That's a great question, James. I'm writing about the rapper Common because today he's playing a very important role in helping deliver anti-racial bias training at Starbucks all across the country this afternoon. You recently, you took on a very important role. Starbucks has been in the headlines this month, and you're actually teaming up with them for the new training um, program that they're doing. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, really, I just served as a uh, voice of narration for the day that they have today, um, which is about, you know, just starting a conversation. And uh, I, you know, what's been happening with black men and in America and black people, Starbucks was just a microcosm of what's been, you know, how black people have been dehumanized. And I feel like you're asking the same question that I'm asking, and it's like, why? Why Common? Why not anyone else? I have no idea. It seems like I know Common and Howard Schultz, they partnered for a charitable cause before years ago, so I, I assume that they're kind of friends Howard Schultz the CEO of Starbucks but still it's like ugh, I don't know there's so many people that they could have chosen it's not like a huge deal that I'm like up at night why did they choose common but every time I see him step into this role I like just can't help but roll my eyes a little bit but I'm curious to like why you feel like common was probably the perfect choice for Starbucks I think he has proven that he is a social justice figure in entertainment. He is easily recognizable. So maybe there was a factor of trying to keep people's interest or something there. But also, it he's just an artist that it would be really surprising if something bad came out about him. So I think they're kind of betting on that, especially in this time where so many people, so many powerful people are being exposed for their secret abuses or not so secret abuses that they've carried out. Right. It's almost like he seems like to be like if we think of the most neutral rapper on the grid of chaotic and lawful evils and goods. It's like Common is right there in the center and just about as neutral and mediocre as, let's say, Starbucks coffee itself. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. You're the voice and it's the microphone. When you're the artist, it's the paintbrush. We are living in the future we always dreamed of. The future. Hair smart now. James Green. Tell me about this weird robot. Dermatologists hate him. Um, <laughs> so it's this uh, form of artificial intelligence called a deep learning convolutional neural network, or CNN for short. That not uh, the news network. Not the news network, okay. but the uh, the neural network. Oh, <laughs> the neural news network. <laughs> um, 
But so basically this team of researchers used this neural network um, and trains it on a bunch of photos of like malignant skin lesions and benign skin lesions Mm -hmm. and then pitted it against a team of human dermatologists and the neural network actually ended up winning. And it was way it was a significantly more accurate at detecting malignant melanomas or like bad skin lesions or skin Mm -hmm. cancer than um, actual dermatologists in a couple of different tests, which was really impressive. So another example of the robots taking over. Yeah, the robots are going to take all of our jobs. Dermatologists, you're not safe. I'm Mm. sorry. I didn't know if you saw this coming, but (laughs) no, I mean, the truth of the matter is that even though this tool, um, this is not the first paper on it, but it's uh, a replication, independent study that replicates previous studies, which makes these findings even stronger. Mm -hmm. But I mean, even with these findings, probably the most practical or useful application of this tool would be as a supplement to the work of dermatologists. I see. I as, see. Um, I don't know. I think it gets into a significantly like gray ethical area if you just had robots diagnosing your skin. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. what if it's one of the 5% of the time that it's wrong? Who are you going to sue? A robot? Yes, of course. Yeah. No, I mean America. But uh, so how so how likely is it that like I'm going to go to a dermatologist in the coming months or years and have them utilizing these robots as like a tool? I would assume in the coming years it'd be very likely. There are just probably a couple of uh, like regulatory kinks that they have to work out. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a controlled situation like this, where they are able to take correct images all the time and have a large sample size it obviously worked i think it got um the robot or the ai had a 95 percent accuracy rate mm-hmm. um, as compared to like somewhere in the mid to high 80s for the dermatologist oh. so i mean it's something that would obviously be very useful for these professionals it is just going to be a means of probably doing a couple of more tests like this, perhaps in a wider scale, and then somebody bringing it to market. Let's just hope the robots don't flake out. Oh, I'm leaving. <laughs> Goodbye, James. <laughs> I'd like to take his his face off. Oh. Power. So welcome to the studio, Michael. Thank you. So the reason why I brought you in today is because you just joined the outline. Yeah, I did. (laughs) Yeah, so what are you going to be doing for us here? I'm going to be an editorial intern with the power section. So what are some of the things that you're really interested in as far as power goes? I think I'm really interested in the kind of obscure ways um, different forces and organizations that you may not have heard of affect our lives. Um, Like like weird lobbying groups, for instance, um, that have outsized influence on different laws that we may not even understand. Yeah, you recently did something about the balloon lobby, right? Yeah, it was it was a story about how this like this lobbying group on behalf of balloon manufacturers called the Balloon Council um, has a really outsized influence on laws in New Jersey um, Mm -hmm. and also throughout the United States and They've, they've been really successful in stopping laws to ban balloon releases um, because balloons get entangled with animals and um, are bad for the environment. But this one like obscure lobbying group that is like nearly as powerful as a bunch of energy companies, um, mm-hmm. especially in New Jersey, has had so much success stopping it. Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm super stoked to start to hear from more of your stories, and I hope our listeners are stoked as well. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited to be here. What happened there bears out what I've said about his bad driving attitude. 
Today, you heard from Ander Gallo, Paris Martineau, and Michael Waters. The Dispatch is produced and hosted by me, James T. Green. And our theme is by the fantastic John Lagomarsino. Keep me posted what you think of the show, for real. We're on Twitter at Outline Dispatch, or you can hit me up directly at underscore James T. Green. For subscribers, I'll see you tomorrow. Bye.